you have your Bible, go with me to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. There's uh, perhaps never been a time uh, in history where there is so much access to things that cause us so, many, so much like anxiety and stress. We have, we have phones that uh, keep tapping on us. They tap on us all day long, don't they? A text message, a phone call, an email, a tweet, uh, Insta story, a Facebook post, and whatever cool app that's alerting you about your bank account or whatever else is going on in your, la- your life. This news article, it's just tap, tap, tap. And his book, Crazy Busy, Kevin DeYoung calls, uh, I think chapter 7 or so, says that uh, our phones are like we're standing in a small room with a thousand people and they're all tapping on us. And we're always like, what, what do you need? Hey, what do you need? Hey, hey, what's going on over here? Hey, over here. And you're always trying to get everything. And so you spend your life just like buzzing around because, and you feel so anxious and so stressful because all these things are going on. We have apps that, that provide us with uh, endless amount of entertainment. Like you can watch whole seasons of TV shows. You can watch whole series of movies. You can watch the 20 plus movies of Marvel if you want to just binge watch it for days. There's all kinds of, you have gaming systems that give you whatever you want to just numb out the busyness. We have cars that drive us anywhere we want to go and many of us have money to buy whatever we want. We have all the time in the world and at the same time, no time at all. Sometimes it feels like that this life is just chaotic, that we're just engulfed by chaos all the time. Many are just so overwhelmed by life, overwhelmed by the expectations on them, Expect, expectations to perform or to look a certain way or to, to please someone. Maybe there's, you're overwhelmed by your own insecurities in your life. Maybe you're overwhelmed by the number of things you've committed to, overwhelmed by your calendar, by work, or by your family. Sometimes we're all just so overwhelmed of being overwhelmed, if you know what I mean. Sometimes life can feel like, you know, just there's things coming at you all the time and there's, you feel so bad saying, saying no. Like for instance, like, hey Heath, why don't you stand up for me? Like someone asks you, hey, can you come over for dinner? And you're like, yeah, sure. Heath, catch it. You missed, the, you missed the first one, Heath. That was a good shot. And someone asked you to do something else, and you're like, yeah. And then, hey, can the kids come over? Hey, can you play basketball? Hey, you got baseball coming up. Can you do that? Yep. Yes. Yes, I can. Hey, can you talk? Yes. Sure. And before you know it, you're just saying yes to all kinds of things. And you're yes, yes. Yes, and before you know it, you just don't know, you don't have any room, and you've got all these things going on in your life, and, and you're just overwhelmed, and then things really get serious, something that really matters comes around. And like the things that really matter, like if it comes at you, you don't have any room to catch it. So what happens is the things that really matter begin to crack all around. I'm just kidding, I'm not going to throw it. You can just drop them in here. Good job. Yeah, give it up for my man Heath here. It's no wonder so many of us are exhausted and frustrated and overwhelmed and depressed and anxious and worried. Did I do this? Did I not do this? Or what's going to happen here? And the pressures of life are, are all over us. And many of us, like, we wish we could do something about it. You wish you could say something. You wish there was something or someone you could tell. But in your mind... 
you convince yourself that everyone has their own issues and, and your issues would just be another burden on them. So rather than seek out a friend, you believe a lie. Rather than talk it out, you shut it in. You believe that your problems are just too big for anyone else to bear because they have their own. And if people knew, like if people knew the real you, the, the real internal struggles you, you have, then they would like look down on you, maybe even reject you. Even worse, maybe they would think you're not even a Christian because in the American South, you know, it's like Christianity, you gotta have it all together. You gotta walk in with a smile. You gotta look a certain way. You gotta, they don't have time to hear you say, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm, I'm good. But the pressures are so strong. Well, I'm here to tell you that you are loved. You are loved today in your circumstance, in the state you're in right now, that God sees you, that God loves you. He knows your exhaustion. He knows your anxiousness. He knows your worry. He knows your loneliness and your depression. And he cares for you. He loves you. In Christ, you are dearly loved. Christmas always reminds me of this truth that Christians have the assurance of God's presence with them in every season for all eternity. What a sweet reminder that if you're in Christ today, then God's presence is with you. Three truths or three comforts that I want to give you today from John 1, really that these are truths or comforts that we can rely on in every season. First is this, that in Jesus, God came to save you. In Jesus, God came to save you. Verses 1 through 4. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was, uh, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. We get this picture into pre-creation. Like before there was a world, before you and I existed, before all this was a this, Christ was there. Colossians 1, 15 and 17 gives us more information. It says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Jesus is incredibly special. He's incredibly important to the whole thing, Colossians tells us. This whole world, the whole universe, all things actually were created through him and for him. And the whole thing is held together in him. So Jesus is the center of it all, the glue, the focus. And Jesus stepped down from his throne on high to enter in to come save you, to come save me, to come save us. Now, if God saw fit in his eternal plan to send this one, his eternal son who existed in eternity past 
to live among us, to die for us, to be raised to life so that you and I can be forgiven our sin, redeemed and given an eternal life, then we must mean an awfully lot to him. Then you must mean a lot to him and you too. See, when Jesus came to earth, the text says he brought light to a dark place made this way by sin. Look at verses 9 through 13. The true light, it says, was coming into the world, which gives light to everyone, was coming to the world. He was in the world and that the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. They rejected him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, it's not about your family, nor of the will of the flesh, not about your works, nor of the will of man, not anyone can say it, but only of God. God is the one that saves. And when we believe upon him, we're told that we are welcomed into his family, that we become children of God. Now, who of us doesn't have a kid who's been a moron before, right? How many of us don't have a kid who's, who hasn't been sitting there crying in tears and you stood over there saying, stop crying, it's okay, I love you still. Hey, don't, there's no need for you to feel this way, I love you still. Hey, I know they were wrong to you, but I love you. I know you've done this wrong, but I love you. Hey, no matter what you do, I will always love you because you're mine. Good father loves his children no matter what. The same is true for our good father, who right now in the season you might find yourself in, the moment you might find yourself in, the struggle you might find yourself in, God loves you. You belong to him. You're a part of his family. He cares deeply for you. See, when Jesus came to bring light to the darkest of places, he came to enlighten the world to his father's holiness, to his father's expectations, to his father's commands, to his father's mission. But more than that, he came to make us aware of our need. And those who received Jesus, who believed on the message of salvation, were saved, and then light was brought into their dark hearts. Two verses that remind me of this, John three sixteen: for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Romans 5, 8, one of the most beautiful verses. God proves his love for you in that while you were still sinners, Christ died for you, for us. What good news that I am receiving what I don't deserve in Christ. Because of my sin, God sought me and he bought me with the blood of his son Jesus. That's what verse 13 says. To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of men, but of God. What great truth for us today that God welcomes us into his family. He came to seek and to save you, to save us from our sin, to set his love upon us. This is the greatest display of love we have ever known. The cross of Calvary is the supreme picture of love where the eternal son died in our place for our sin, displaying his love love for us. Oh, Christian, in Jesus, God came to save you.
And that is worth rejoicing in today. But number two, in Jesus, God came to dwell with you. In Jesus, God came to dwell with you. Verse 14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The truth of the incarnation is that Jesus is both fully God and fully man. That Jesus became flesh. God became flesh. He stepped down. He just didn't inhabit a body for a short while. He took up residence with us. Jesus was born of God, both um, born of the Spirit and of man. Even when Jesus goes to the cross and he dies on the cross in his bodily form, he is resurrected in the bodily form. Jesus today sits on his throne in bodily form. Jesus' body is alive. It's a promise of a resurrection to come. God came down to speak, to die, to establish his kingdom, and Jesus Christ is the word of God made flesh. Yes, he became flesh, but it also says he dwelt among us. The promise of God's presence with his people is, a, is central to the theme of the whole Bible from beginning to end. Look at Genesis 1 and 2. It's God's presence with his people. Even as he kicks Adam and Eve out of the garden, separating himself from them, separating his presence from them because of sin. Later on in the Old Testament, God's presence longs to dwell with his people. The word dwelt here, the Hebrew word means pitched his tabernacle. A tabernacle is a fixed or, or movable place of habitation. So it really means the word pitched his tent among us. Simply put, God tabernacled with us. This reminded the Jews of, of the moment where God met Israel before the temple was built. He met them in tents in the tabernacle with Moses. In Moses, in Exodus 25, he says, there are, they are to make a sanctuary for me so that I may dwell among them. God has always longed to dwell with you and I dwell with his people. In the Old Testament, he dwelt among them by his spirit in the tent or in the Ark of the Covenant. In the Gospels, God chose to dwell among them in a more personal way in the person and work of Jesus Christ. His self-expression, his, he, he stepped into our world. God became flesh, feeling much of the same feelings we have, much of the, the temptations the pain of loss. He felt as though we feel. He's able to resonate with the way you feel today. He did all that with never sinning. He was perfect. In the New Testament, God sends his Holy Spirit to dwell with us in our hearts. Jesus says, John 16, 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. God sent his spirit to be with his people even today as Christians, as much of a Christian you are. If you are saved, you are a Christian. Now, you might be a struggling Christian. You might be an anxious Christian. You might be a worried Christian. You might be in a sinful moment Christian. But you're a Christian, a child of God, and God loves you and knows you, cares for you, and he dwells with you. So maybe you're drowning in life and overwhelmed by it all, anxious and troubled, worried and hurried, saddened, depressed. Hear just hear the word of the Lord today. Hear him say to Jacob, Behold, I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go. 
will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Hear him say to Joshua, Have I commanded you? Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Hear him say to Isaiah, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my glorious right hand. Hear the word of the Lord from Isaiah, from Zephaniah. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with, by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Have you ever thought about that? Like God, in his love for you, he rejoices over you with gladness. But look, God is singing over you. You ever thought about God singing, like his voice singing? He's singing over you right now of his love for you. That's like a, I mean, that's like an amen. Like God sings over us. And he, even though he sees us and he knows us, we're reminded today that it's not our works that get us to God. It's his grace. It's only his grace that draws us to him, that woos us back to him. He loves us and he dwells with us. Hear the word of Jesus from Matthew 28. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Spirit, I mean, and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you sometimes. No, I am with you always until the end of the age. He is with us. Hear the word from Paul in Romans 8. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Church, God indeed dwells with his people. He dwells in your heart. His presence is with us today. If you are in Christ, you are his child. And if you are not in Christ today, if you are not a Christian, well, you can be today. Because John 1 tells us, anyone that receives him, this salvation is for you. The invitation for you today is receive Jesus. Believe on his name. Because in him, there is salvation. In him, God dwells with his people. And third, in him, God came to fight for you. God came to fight for you. Verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I don't know about you, but this... It's one of those verses that I tend to overlook when I get into John. I'm headed to John 3.16. I'm headed to other things. But in this verse, it teaches us something. Can you tell me one thing that's both light and dark? No. There's only darkness and only light. Where there is no light, there is darkness. Where there is light, there is no darkness. Darkness can't, be, can't rule something that light has overtaken can't be ruling a place where light exists. It's scary to go into a dark room. It's less scary when you go in with a flashlight. Last night I was, I was putting the kids to bed and Smith, my seven-year-old boy, was in his bed and the lights were off and uh, he had a flashlight shining against the wall. He was turned over and was shining the flashlight against the wall. 
and I was in one of my comfort clothes at my house is a hoodie. And so I got like 15 hoodies. So I'm in my gray hoodie. And as I'm in there, I've got my hood on. And I sneak up beside him. He's lying in his bed. He's got a flashlight against the wall. And I just hover over him. Just waiting. Because that's what kind of dad I am. <laughs> waiting. And sure enough, he turns over and goes, Ah! And he goes, Daddy, I scream really loud. But as soon as he screams, he shines his flashlight on my face to see it's me. Immediately see what it is. And when he saw it was me, whew, I mean, he was just chill. Oh, Daddy, you scared me. You scared me. I, I was just playing around with you, son. I'm right here. I'm right here. Darkness is scary. But God meets his people in the dark places of life. Jesus is the light that chases away darkness. I'm, com- I'm convinced that some of the, in some of the darkest moments of our life, pain and trial and accusations, suffering, is where God wants us to depend on him the most, where God loves to meet us in the darkest of places. In your moments of fear and moments of anxiety and moments of worry and moments of depression, oh, God is so near to his people. He so loves you. Jesus, his birth is the fulfillment of the prophecy in Isaiah 9-2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. The reason God came down is because we could not go to him. We are incapable of coming to God. So God in his perfect love and mercy came to earth to dwell among us, to die for us, to redeem us. So if you are in Christ today, you can rest knowing that light has come and the darkness cannot overtake you. And when Christ is in you, God fights for you. We need only to rest in his presence and in his power. We don't need to fight back. We need to rest in who we are in Christ depend on his holy word. How do I know that God fights for us? Because in the end we win. If you just read Revelation 21 and 22, what you find there is what you find in Genesis 1 and 2. God faithfully communing with his people once again, all because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. In the end we win. So from Genesis 1-2, to Revelation 21 and 22 is this grand story of God pursuing his people, of saving his people, of redeeming them and utilizing and using them for his work so that he might be glorified in your life. God loves you. In this moment, he loves you. This is why we can sing in each season, Lamentations 3. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. We can sing that in seasons of good and seasons of sadness. We can sing it in the happy seasons and the not so happy seasons. The calm seasons and the anxious seasons. The peaceful seasons and the crazy. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are never, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. See, the, the need we need, the, the, the truth we need to be reminded of this Christmas season is that we can find rest knowing we have the assurance of God's presence with us today. But the cares of the world are heavy. 
things we go through are heavy. Think about this bottle of water here, and I hold this water. And the question is, you know, how how heavy is this bottle? This water? It's not really, it's not really that important. But what's important is how how long I hold this water. So I mean, like I can hold this water like this for about a minute, and be fine. I hold it for an hour, my arm will begin to ache, and like it'll hurt, and I'll get tired and exhausted trying to prop it up. I can hold it for a day. If I hold it for a day, then my arm just basically becomes numb, maybe paralyzes it. But it's heavy. It becomes heavier and heavier throughout the day. Then the, the amount of water doesn't change. When I'm carrying it matters. How long I'm carrying it matters. The same is true for so much going on in our own hearts, in our own minds. Some of us have been carrying things for a very long time in our hearts. Carrying the worry, the anxiety, the frustration, the sadness, the unforgiveness, the bitterness. What happens when we carry things a long time, they just weigh on us and weigh on us and weigh on us. We begin to convince ourselves that they define us. They so block our hearts in so many ways from the truth of Scripture because we begin to listen to ourselves. But then Jesus, in his great kindness, comes along in Matthew 11 and says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Light. 